You are listening to the Human Care Podcast, part of the Invisible, Not Broken Podcast Network. I'm your host, Eva Minkoff. This podcast features conversations with health entrepreneurs, care professionals, patient advocates, and industry change makers. What do they all have in common? The mission to humanize healthcare. In every episode, we offer unique stories paired with education, actionable tips, tricks, and takeaways, all to help you better navigate healthcare and transform it into human care. Today, I'm talking with not one, but two awesome practitioners, brother and sister partners, Casey and Morgan Sinclair. I've invited them to join me today in discussing their new book coming out, which supports the relationship we have with our care journey. I'm sure many of you listening have found that this relationship can be daunting, to say the least. I know that when I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, I didn't know what to do, who to talk to, where to start, what to buy, what to learn, what to test. The Dr. Sinclair duo created a book for exactly this, and it just so happens to be about my diagnosis, fibromyalgia. The book is called Free Yourself from the Shackles of Fibromyalgia and is a comprehensive overview of all things fibro and how to take action. If you're looking to make a commitment to your health, which I recommend all of you do, whether you have fibro, similar conditions such as chronic fatigue syndrome, chronic pain, or even looking for preventative care, then this is an easily digestible encyclopedia you can refer to over and over again in conjunction with new research and community support. This book is also helpful for anyone who lives, works, or cares about a sufferer and wants to learn more about how they can help. I want to note that I don't normally bring guests on to discuss books, especially a more straightforward, let's say, how-to manual. But given the personal relationship and success I've had with my fibro journey and much of it being mirrored in this book, I feel that it would be irresponsible for me to not bring their words of wisdom to you, my community. Much like mine, their approach to care is holistic, involving all aspects of our well-being addressing issues from the inside out. In other words, internally and externally. Without giving too much away, I'm happy to introduce the authors, chiropractic doctors, Morgan and Casey Sinclair. So so I'm so happy to have you guys on today. I, I really consider this a special episode because quite frankly, I don't normally talk about books on the podcast, but you guys really touch upon everything that I've really looked into in my healthcare journey with fibromyalgia. Uh, It really mirrors a lot of what I believe in, what I've worked on. And I feel like it's my duty as a podcast host, as someone in this community to share that with other people. I would love to start off by, by talking about you guys as, as humans as people who have experienced fibro both firsthand and as practitioners. So um, just to start off, we are a brother-sister duo. 
Yeah. And make that clear for everybody. And um, fortunately or unfortunately. Fortunately. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking fortunately too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Good. So, I mean, I think we should just jump right into Casey's story because um, I think it had holds a lot of oh, value. Uh, uh, I'm Dr. Morgan, yeah. and um, I'm Dr. Casey. And yeah, so we work together on a daily basis, but obviously, as my brother, we do hang out together. We are friends as well. Um, so we have a pretty great relationship, yes. And we uh, co-authored a book together. And the reason why we did that was we found there was a massive need and gap. Um, we have patients who come into our office with chronic pain um, and they are of all ages and all walks of life. And um, a lot of them do come in with fibromyalgia. Um, and we found that they needed a resource or a tool that we could actually put in their hands and take home. Um, that was going to be easy for them to make some changes in their life and, and provide them with more support and guidance because we felt like that was something that they were missing and desperately needing and wanting. Mm -hmm. So that's why we <laughs> decided to write our very first book. Okay. And um, I'm glad that you found value in it. So that's exciting. We're releasing on July 31st. But preceding that, we are chiropractors. Mm -hmm. um, we've been practicing for... 12, 12 years, years yeah. but we like to say 24 years combined. Mm -hmm. uh, and then on top of that, we're both certified uh, functional medicine practitioners. Um, and it's based on all the knowledge that we've gained as natural health care practitioners that we've written the book. Um, but yeah, so. And one thing that, on us, yeah. yeah, and one thing that I, like I was trying to jump right into my brother's story because I think that we hold, um, a unique place in the healthcare um, field in the sense that we've experienced chronic pain both ourselves. Uh, my brother has a very powerful story and something that I, I find that we pride ourselves on is and something that we absolutely enjoy and are most passionate about being in practice and working with people is the relationships that we build with our patients. And at the end of the day, we will go to bat for them. Hence writing the book. Yeah. Um, so I think that it would be awesome if you'd share your story. Sure. Uh, where do I start? Um, well, like, so I don't have fibromyalgia, but I believe with with my chronic pain injury, mm -hmm. uh, which I will, I still have to um, manage, and will I'll have to manage for the rest of my life. And if I don't do a good job of it, I'll likely end up needing some form of surgery um, or need some serious medications so uh, that's why that's that's what's at stake for me and I know that's what's at stake for a lot of people who do who do deal with fibromyalgia as well um, so I can draw a lot of parallels but what happened to me is I just had a, I had a um, this is many many years ago but I had uh, even right right just as I was starting my practice um, or in the first year I had a you know rock climbing accident I fell from a incredibly high height and uh, I ruptured the the disc between my L5 S1, right? right? So people get disc bulges. Is this splatter? Yeah, splatter. Like so, it ruptures. So, um, you know, I was at a, I was in a situation where I'm 30, and uh, uh, it was so bad that I couldn't walk. Like I literally, my legs shut down. Uh, I had excruciating back pain, um, sh shooting pains down my legs, but the muscles wouldn't function either. Um, and there was so much nerve interruption that my bladder was actually not functioning properly either. So I couldn't even reach 
pain urine, I would literally have to, uh, so I'm, I'm in a situation where I'm bedridden and- um, Move back with mom and dad. <laughs> well, I keep that quiet. But uh, yeah, I was living in my parents' basement, right? I'm in my parents' basement because like, I can't do anything, right? Um, so uh, my I can't walk yet. My bladder can't retain urine, so I have to somehow get to the bathroom every 15 minutes. Uh, so literally, my day consisted of me laying in bed all day. Um, then, if I had to go to the bathroom, I literally I can't get out of bed. So I literally, like you know, people say roll out of bed. No, I literally rolled out of bed onto the floor. I would crawl along the carpet in my bedroom through the hallway into the bathroom and like with shaky arms try to hold myself up just so I could go to the bathroom and then crawl back to the bedroom and then into the bed but I but I the frustrating thing is by the time I got back to bed I literally had to go again so this was my day like it was just frustrating it was over and over again and um, I had never been in so much pain in my life uh, and I was at a point where I was thinking oh my god this is it like, this is what my life is going to be like. Uh, it's not going to change. And you know what? I hear that from patients who come in with fibromyalgia. They're so concerned when they're really flared up and they're in extreme pain. They, they're worried. The biggest worry is, oh, my God, is this it? Is this it for the rest of my life? And, and so I am glad this, at the end of the story, I'll tell you, I'm glad all of this happened to me uh, because now I can just kind of talk people through. First part is let's just get through the stress and the anxiety of it, and then we can get down to business and, in the healing but um that was my situation I, I did go through all the conventional medical um tests and consults um i found out through the mri that that's what exactly was happening i had uh, the disc had ruptured um from the conventional medical standpoint my only solution would have been to have surgery have the disc removed um i was prescribed oxycontin which i don't want to get into that but i mean everyone knows the dangers of taking oxycontin and i did not take it but uh i'll talk about that in a minute um but yeah that's how bad it was i couldn't walk i mean getting driven around to my doctor appointments i literally laid in the back seat uh breaking all seat belt rules and uh um yeah i was turning pale uh could i was green with stress and pain and um my only options as far as i had heard from the doctors was surgeries and drugs so um in the beginning, though, you're in so much pain, even though I come, like our entire family, we left this out, our entire family is natural healthcare practitioners. Um, we come from a place of natural healing. We believe in the body's incredible ability to heal. But even with all of that in my background, I was in so much pain that when the options of drugs and surgery were dangled in front of me, I was still actually starting to consider that. And uh, the way I rationalize that is that when someone's in pain, um, you're not completely thinking straight. So that wasn't me, right? And we actually hear that from patients that come into our office. Mm -hmm. If they're in a lot of pain, like their spouse will say, that's not my wife. Like if they're rude to us or they're rude or they're low energy, like they'll say, that's not her. It's, it's, it's the condition they're dealing with. And we know that. Um, so yeah, that was me. I was, uh, but thankfully I have my sister and my father was uh, um, in practice before us. And uh, the two of them, when I was thinking about doing, doing taking medication or doing um, surgery, they're like, kind of grabbed me by the shirt collar and said, like, are you serious? Like, do you really want to do that? And, you know, when I, we do a lot of independent research, um, I look into things into great depth before I make a decision uh, with, in terms of health. And, uh, you know, my research showed that most, um, it's, it's like over 50, at least 50% of spine 
spinal surgeries, the patient ends up the same or worse. So that doesn't work for me. And most people that go that do have spinal surgeries, uh, they don't know that. They're not aware of that. That's not going to be shared with them. They have to go do some independent learning um, to, to find out those statistics. Obviously, I knew, I, I did, you know, based on the, the amount of addiction with OxyContin, I wasn't going to take something like that. Um, in the beginning, I, I thought about it, but I was like, at the end of the day, I didn't do it. Um, but I eventually became mobile. Um, uh, with a lot of lot of time and energy put into it yeah so i'll get i'll get to that but i mean i pretty much devised my own rehab plan i was under the care of my sister and my father you know some of our patients have to come in three times a week in the beginning if we're trying to correct something in terms of their spine and nervous system i was getting in there three times a day and that's basically uh just to barely get me moving around so i could do something and be productive on any level uh, but in the beginning, I was walking with a cane uh, just because I couldn't put any weight on my legs. So uh, that's how bad it was. But keep in mind, I'm, that's, I'm at the age of 30. You know, you, you, when you picture people walking around with canes, you, you usually typically think of people who are um, moving into their elderly years. And like, so I'm, in hindsight, I can't believe that's what, what the situation I was in. Um, but yeah, um, eventually uh, I would just start going into my clinic. I'd have my sister and my father who would. Uh, take care of my patients for me. I also had someone else come in at a time uh, to take care of some of my patients. But I just go in there eventually when I became somewhat mobile and just went in there and sat there and just basically sat in the waiting room. Sat in the waiting room. Connected with people. Sat in the in our hot seat chairs. Maybe went by the table side and just sat there and socialized with my patients. Uh, checked in on their care. Make sure that we were doing a good job. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, just staying connected with them because I still wanted to be involved in their healing, right? And I feel like that's an important connection we have with our patients. That's something you would do as well. Yeah. And there's there's one thing that when he came, I remember the first day he came into the office. I thought, like, this is a huge win. This is a massive step in the right direction for someone else looking up from the outside, not knowing the situation. It was just like, you know, what's he doing here? But for him, you know, just to be able to get there, show up, smile, connect with people, that was a huge win. And it was it was all about moving in the right direction. Our fathers always said, you know, health is a spectrum on, on one end. Obviously, we have um, total life. Oh, yeah, death. And to, on the other end, total life and vitality. And all of us are sitting somewhere different on the spectrum. And where we sit isn't the most important um, component, which direction we're moving in is what matters most. Mm -hmm. And he was dedicated in taking the time and energy to, to take this even super small steps in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, if you want to, if you want to scale it back, if you want to talk about the super small steps, um, in the beginning when I was flat out on my back and I couldn't move for me and what the rehab exercises I was doing, me just, uh, if you picture yourself laying on your back with your knees bent and your feet are flat on the ground, me just walking my feet out until my legs were straight and then walking them back up till my knees were bent again that was an accomplishment in the beginning and that was the first thing that happened where i was like okay, okay that's something now let's go on to the next thing and i know uh, a lot of our patients uh if they're dealing with fibromyalgia there's days they can't get out of bed yeah right and 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 if they can actually just get out of bed like they deserve a pat on the back for that like that's an accomplishment, right? So uh, th these are the parallels, right? Um, so where did it go from there, though? I... Oh, 
Okay, just, uh, to get, just to give you an idea though, let's, eventually I did get back into practice. I did. Um, and I wasn't 100% and I was still faking it. And that's the other thing. I know a lot of people, <laughs> I know a lot of my fibromyalgia patients have to fake it, right? Because nobody knows what you're dealing with. You can try to articulate it to them, to other people, even your family members, but they just don't get it. Um, so I was doing the same thing. I was faking it uh, like I was okay for my patients. But um, really to go in and, and do like three hours of seeing patients in an afternoon, I would have had to do three or four hours of rehab at home just to get ready to do that. Um, so nobody would see all the work behind it just to get, just to walk in the, into the clinic. So um, that's, that's where it went, but I'm, I'm happy to say I'm doing really well now. Since then I've been, you know, I play hockey, I surf, um, I've run half, you know, half marathons, 30 Ks and- Done obstacle course races. I do stupid things you shouldn't do with a <laughs> disc. <laughs> No, but I think that you do take good care of yourself. Yeah, 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 totally. And I also understand how all the different areas of health can affect it. It's like, it's not just a simple mechanical problem. There's a lot of things that can cause a flare-up. Like if I have, if I'm dealing with stress or anxiety, not good. It's going to set me back. Just like I know someone who has fibromyalgia, when they're stressed out, their symptoms start to flare up. Um, if, I, if I fall off my nutrition and I'm not eating, you know, an inflammatory diet. Uh, that's not good. It's not going to help me. And um, my energy level will get low and, and pain symptoms start to go up. Um, what else? If I'm not, if, okay, so here's the deal. Exercise. And this is, this is <laughs> so a lot, of, a lot of people with fibromyalgia, that's why I wanted to talk to you, actually, because you said you're doing these, you said before I'm on your podcast, you do 10 minutes hardcore exercise which is not something i would immediately suggest to someone with fibromyalgia but it's definitely possible if you work your way towards that and that's the that's how i that's how i was with my exercise in the beginning i could barely do anything just some mild stretching um and but i wanted to push it i wanted to go back to playing hockey and doing all these fun things and but you know along the way uh, you probably could attest to this you're gonna have setbacks you're gonna push it too far and for me, what worked for me is that every time I pushed it too far, in the beginning, I'd be super frustrated. And I would just be so disappointed. And here we are back to square one. We've got to start all over again and then build up. But then it got to a point where I found that like feeling bad for myself when I crossed the line and had a setback wasn't serving me. So my new attitude, and I'm not telling people to do this. This just worked for me. Um, I'd be flat on my back in, in agonizing pain, but I got to the point where I just had to start laughing about it. Like, here we go again, you know, and here we are, we're starting again. But you know what? Every time that happens, I've been there before. I've gotten out of it every single time. So, you know, you know, now you're going to get out of it again. And you've learned from, you hopefully you learned something about maybe you weren't taking care of yourself well enough to. Or your capacity. Yeah, or you stretch your capacity too quickly. There's nothing wrong with stretching your capacity. You just got to not stretch it too quickly. And so these are the things I've learned, and these are the things I share with my patients. So in hindsight, and I'm not feeling sorry for myself. I'm doing great. Uh, everyone's got struggles in life. That just happens to be one of mine. We'll get. I could get into another one later, but um, yeah, everyone's <laughs> another one yeah, later. That's, yeah, I know. <laughs> I think I'm going more off than my story but i mean uh, there's a lot of people with fibromyalgia if i could say one thing to them and this isn't to make you this isn't to make someone with fibromyalgia uh to make light of their fibromyalgia but it does for me it feels good to know that 
maybe not everyone's dealing with the chronic pain injury that I have, and maybe not everyone's dealing with fibromyalgia, but everyone's got something. Like everyone's got a challenge in life. So the only thing, I'm not saying that to diminish what you're going through, but you should feel some solace in the fact that you're not alone, right? That's the biggest thing. The scariest thing is that you have to go through this all by yourself and no one can empathize. And um, just know that that's not true. That everyone's got something. You just may not be, may not be aware of it. Right? Actually, that's something I say all the time is everyone's got their stuff. Everyone. Uh, and, and that could be physical and or mental, but we all have our problems. I personally, it's actually one of the things I'm, yeah, I'm personally most proud of is that I'm, I don't get jealous of people because I know that no matter how perfect someone's life looks, they've got their stuff. And I've never been wrong so far. Anytime I've like investigated further and look, it is all relative. Right. Um, but well, actually speaking of which, so in your book, you touch upon what I love is you touch upon like every single area. I think one should look into when it comes to dealing with fibromyalgia illness or even preventative health, um, and, and including mindset because that gets, that gets pushed to the side so often, especially when we're in the throes of like that really intense pain and there's drugs dangling in our face, like you said. Um, it's really it's really easy to ignore that. Uh, and also, so, sort of side note, when you said the, um, the anecdote about a patient saying like, that's not my wife, the person that's uh, you know really angry or lashing out to you guys, I was actually talking about that with my husband this morning. Um, we do this relationship app where we get asked a question every morning. And the question today was, uh, I love this app, by the way. But um, the question today was like, think about a time when you're a jerk to your partner or, you know, you weren't being very nice. What is usually the trigger for that? And we both agreed that mine is my pain. And while there are absolutely ways that I could deal with that better with him, he also recognizes that's not, that's not Eva. That's not Eva at her baseline. She's in a place where she's clouded by the pain. Uh, but one of, but then again, we also addressed it uh, by saying that mindset is has such a big impact, even in those small moments. In fact, maybe the small moments more than anything, I think, um, are significant. Where I could be like, okay, I'm being I'm being a jerk right now. It's not helping my body either by confirming right that I'm feeling this pain and everything's bad and yeah and and I'm a very positive person being a jerk. yeah I'm being a jerk it's like I'm yelling at him and I know I'm being mean and it, it just it's just a terrible vicious cycle and so something we do we've been practicing is identifying it really quickly um, for him he doesn't have pain but he gets hangry you know, like kind of angry when he's hungry. So even that's a smaller version, but still we've gotten really good with like the first time he gets a little, I don't know, testy. And then uh, he'll say, he'll say, I'm sorry, I'm hangry. So I have to do the same with like, I'm sorry, I'm in pain. Um, sorry, it was, that was a bit of a tangent, but I just, it was that um, when you talked about that earlier, it, it spoke to me. Yeah, yeah that's, that's great. I think that's an amazing thing to practice. You know what, though? Uh, um, what I would say, though, is uh, it sucks to identify when you're being a jerk 
but don't dwell on the fact that you're being a jerk because that's not healthy either. Just stop being a jerk. Like, ah. <laughs> but I, what is it? The, okay, so, uh, so it's like, you know, people feel guilty when they eat bad foods. Don't dwell on the fact that you ate the crappy food. Just stop eating the, food, the crappy food, right? Because if you or, dwell on it, that's unhealthy. Or enjoy it. Don't feel bad about it in that moment. Yeah. And then you can deal with that later. <laughs> that's, Try that's the mental perfect. check. Acknowledge it was not that great to do and move on. Yeah. I actually have a rule with anyone who you know eats around me that if we're consuming things that are not healthy, uh, that they can't talk about that at the time. If, if you've decided you're going to indulge in that cake or that creamy pasta dish, do not talk about hating yourself while do, if you've chosen it, you enjoy that. And then afterwards, you can decide if you want to change your approach to eating. But yeah, very hard rule if anyone's like, oh, God, I'm so fat and they're eating the cake. I don't. I can't handle it. There, there, isn't a bi there is a biology on your belief there, system. And there is, if I, you're eating cake and you tell yourself it's really healthy, it's going to have less <laughs> of an effect on you than if you tell yourself this is the worst thing you've ever done. That's like the reverse way of saying <laughs> Like, I think a better way of saying it is, like, the guilt associated with eating that bad thing may actually be more unhealthy for you than that actual food. And I think that's really the way to Going to eat cake and yeah. tell themselves that yeah. it's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. But, yeah, mindset and um, self-talk is a huge, huge player in this, this game. Um, of maintaining our health and uh, while it's not alone you got to take care of yourself physically I think in tandem is where the real magic happens yeah we, we talk about mindset in the book and it's something that um, I'm actually really grateful that it's been part of our family's conversation since we were so little because our father's taken a strong interest in um, mindset and teaching us to have the power and control over our perception of experiences in life. For instance, I'll just use a quick example. When I was a teenager driving a car, I hit a raccoon. I came home distraught, so upset. As an animal lover, I thought it was like the end of the world. I don't know where this raccoon ended up. Is it suffering in the bushes? And my father came upstairs and he asked me this question, which at the time I thought was like, how could you ask me this? And he's like, you know, I've left you alone for a couple hours and my eyes are red and puffy. And he's like, but tell me, where's the blessing in this? Where's the hidden, like possible positive thing about this? And as an animal lover, I'm like, what are you talking about? But he's like, for every positive, there's a negative. For every negative, there's a positive. You start looking at situations differently and understand there's always a balance. And one thing that is something like we talk about it in our practice all the time with our patients is mindset. And we break it down in our book I think there's the power of gratitude in itself is enormous and um, something that you know I found myself in this past lockdown um, more grateful than ever before and I just I think I just had more time to think and I just wanted to make sure that my thoughts were going in that direction um, but we talk about the power of gratitude there um, in the book we also talk about positive affirmations so, you know, you just mentioned self-talk. So starting your day with these affirmations and sometimes like my affirmation is something where if I find like I'm going off track because I too can get hangry or a little bit 
irritated when I'm hungry. Um, I'll just sometimes just go into a room and do my affirmation and try to, you know, reset myself so I can come back within an instant in a more positive um, manner. And then we also talk about acknowledging the achievements. I use the example of when my brother showed up to work just to sit in the waiting room. Um, the small achievements mean a lot and every step along the way should be celebrated. Um, sometimes we get lost in creating these massive goals in life and then like, when does that happen? So if we have this goal of, let's say, originally when you were on the floor, if you had this goal of running a half marathon, he wouldn't have been celebrating any step along the way yeah. for what, how long it took you, like a year and a half. Yeah. But it was important to celebrate and acknowledge each achievement along the way to stay motivated on track and moving in that right direction that we talked about. Yeah. I would say, I would say um, in terms of gratitude, um, as you can imagine, we get all walks of life who come into our clinic as patients. Um, but I, I would say in our experience and practice, it's our patients who are, um, who tap into that um, power of gratitude. If they're the ones that are acknowledging all the good things in their life and the ones who have a level, level of optimism about it, they're the ones who get better faster. So it's definitely a, a big component to healing. Um, possibly the most powerful component to you. And I would say too that um, it's difficult for some people and in certain stages or seasons of life, it is difficult. Oh. So, um, you know, we always recommend using your gratitude journal. If, you know, for someone it might take, like if you write, let's say we recommend on average three, writing three things down in your gratitude journal before bed each night. So you're going to bed grateful. For someone who's new to it, they might take an hour and a half to figure out what those three things are. It or might be really, thing. or yeah, or one thing. It might be very difficult. Um, for and then as you do it, the more you do it, the better you get at it, and you start to actually like peel back layers of. Wait a minute, I am grateful for that, and it can. It doesn't have to be huge. It's not like oh, I'm grateful because like, you know, I I got a new car, or I graduated from school, or it. It's got to be the small stuff that we appreciate in life. Like I'm grateful that. I could go out in my backyard and enjoy the sun today with my partner mm -hmm. for 20 minutes. Or I'm grateful for, you know, having the most ripe, amazing apple that I've had all week. So it's the small little things like relishing your enjoyment and appreciation and gratitude for those small things in life is what really shapes your mindset. I think um, the importance of doing it in a journal, though, is... You may have a day where you, <laughs> it's one of those days where you just can't think of one thing to be grateful for. Uh, but what you can do is open up the journal, right? And look back at all the things you've had in the past to be grateful for. And sometimes that you just need that to stimulate some ideas. Yeah, I agree. Things down that, that particular day. So that's a, that's a good reason that. Yeah, that's very much an approach I've taken. I would like to say, wish I did it every day but i have picked it up more so in the last year and i do i do pick in particular small things like i actually force myself to go for the small things um like it really just could be like this is a really sunny day or i um or i'm really loving my armchair right now like i'm so thankful that i have this super comfortable armchair that i get to sit in every morning um or my coffee i don't know i yeah. i like picking the small things because it reminds me that wow this list could be really long 
There are a lot of things in my life that I'm grateful for. And, but also that's true with things around my health. So one thing I, I know we wanted to talk about is how things have been surprisingly worse for me later lately. And I say that because it's summer and things are a bit better usually in the summer. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I can't think about things that are going well. Uh, and so I've been doing more physical therapy myself lately. And this morning I was thinking that I'm really thankful that I have some exercises that have been helping. Um, or, and that's actually some of them I enjoy doing. Like, I don't feel like I have to force myself, but they're kind of fun. <laughs> um, so that, and, uh, oh, and then I woke up this morning without really bad neck pain for the first time in like a couple of weeks. So that was great. Yeah. yeah. That is the perfect way to wake up. No neck pain? Awesome. I was really, my, bo my body still felt pretty tired, but then again, I had some gluten last night, which I normally don't have, so that's probably why. <laughs> so, you know, those are the uh -huh. mental, you checking in. Yeah, it's like, ah. <laughs> Damn, but yeah, so, um, yeah, why don't we talk about that? Anything else you do affirmations? Um, well, affirmations, like, for <laughs> For some people, uh, that might just be something that's so foreign for them. Yeah. So maybe we can just use a couple examples that are just, uh, just because we were talking about mentally checking in with yourself. Affirmations, affirmations are a good thing. And um, I don't know, I don't know if you know much about the science of affirmations, Eva, or uh, I've never thought about it that way. But I know a lot about the science of positive psychology. Yeah. So I, I assume yeah. it's a similar plane. Yeah, I mean, it, the whole point is really, uh, you can only control your environment so much, right? Um, especially right now. I mean, if you think about what's going on in the world right now, there's only so, I, like, I personally feel like I have much less control of my environment um, than I did before. Uh, but what you can control is your perception of the environment. And so you can choose to have either a negative perception or a positive perception, uh, perception of it. Um, but the way it's not just simple though you can't just change your perception of the environment like that you literally have to retrain your subconscious and the, and the way you do that is through your self-talk right and and unfortunately you can't just do it once it's one of those things where if you want to retrain your subconscious you literally have to say it to yourself uh, i think over the course of 30 days and you gotta say it like you mean it too uh, in order for that to become a uh, reality it's like going to the gym, you can't just show up once and hope yeah. that you're going to lose 10 pounds or gain muscle. You have to go back. <laughs> the repetition is important. <laughs> so for me, I find my affirmations are most powerful first thing in the morning, like just starting my day while my brain is just starting to get, get rolling. Um, so I oftentimes find myself doing them in the shower or in front of the mirror. Um, I, when I do need to do rechecks, I'm always standing, like I'll go into a room and I'll, like, I'll, I'll really just envision it too. I close my eyes. And I'll say what I'm saying. I say it out loud. I don't care what other people think if they happen to walk in on the room. Um, and I say it like I believe it and I mean it. And um, my affirmation just happens to be a half page. It's pretty lengthy. Um, but most people start with an affirmation so one or one or two lines, and it's got to be positive. Um, it should not be so much something you don't want in your life rather than so for example if you're smoking and you want to quit you know say uh, I am quitting smoking and I'm good at this instead you're saying 
something completely positive as if you've already quit smoking. So I am healthy. I can take deep breaths and I'm, you know, like something. I'm not out of breath when I go up a flight of stairs. Yeah. Something <laughs> where you're wanting to be rather than so yeah. much where you are. Um, but in the book, we actually break, we use examples of affirmations so that, and we actually have an online community too. So mm. we're always available for people online because obviously our practice is, it's brick and mortar. So, um, we want to make sure we're available to help people beyond the four walls of our office or our community. So we can always just check in online if someone needs help writing an affirmation or fine tuning it. Um, and we're here, Retta. And I don't have I don't have the science to reference right now, but um, you said you like to do your affirmations in the morning. Yeah. There is an actual um, scientific explanation for that. There's a period of time I don't forget what it's called, but there's a period of time once you wake up, where whatever you ingest in terms of information within that period of time, it will stay with you. Um, so the prime example would be, and I'm sure a lot of people listening would be able to. Um, identify with this is first thing in the morning let's say you're listening to music in the bathroom while you're getting ready for your day or maybe you're listening to a song in the car uh, on the way to work whether you like that song or not you'll find yourself you're humming it for the rest of the day it's like it's stuck in there and you actually you've ever been singing a song you're like why the heck am I even singing that song I don't even like that song it's because it, it got it snuck in there in that window that I, I'm not even sure if it's 45 minutes but there's a little window there where you just routine absorb so much stuff and that's why if you actually say your affirmations in that within that window it's that's a better way to ingrain it into your subconscious now that i'm talking about it, i want to go back and look at uh, i i research. wonder i wonder how that uh if that stays true for people with a lot of fibro fog in the morning or just brain fog but i call it fibro fog naturally um so I believe if people have it in the morning and night pretty consistently or morning or night, uh, it's usually more often in the morning, but it can happen at night. For me lately, it takes a while for my brain to fully, I think, fully wake up, but that doesn't mean I'm not retaining things. So I always wonder in my foggy state, what parts of my brain are working well and what are not, because I just know the overall feeling, which is, I kind of feel drunk without the happiness part. <laughs> That's kind of what it feels like. Um, but I take my mornings very seriously at the same time. So I love ingesting information. I love having a part, positive start to my morning. And I can say at the very least that there are, I have found big benefits to doing my affirmations or at least journaling in some way in the morning, uh, for sure. But yeah, I, I just always wonder this is a good uh, comparison of like the average person and someone with fibro when, you know, life's just not as uh, sturdy, I guess, mentally. Uh, I, I, I can't say anything with certainty about that, but uh, what I can say is I've learned some pretty incredible stuff first thing in the morning and I've been really groggy. <laughs> so <laughs> I would assume, and it's something worth trying. So. Oh yeah. No matter what, it's worth doing. Uh, yeah. The worst thing that's going to happen is it doesn't really do anything. But I think speaking speaking positively is always always the way to go, of course. But uh, it just has 
so much more of an influence on our overall being than we think, including our relationships with others. But you really do need to create it, it as a habit. Like you said, you Morgan, you do it in the shower, right? So uh, I, anytime people ask me about habits, my general response is try and pair it with a habit you already have. So if you're saying it all the time in the shower, you've been triggered now to think, oh, I'm in the shower. I got to say my affirmations. Or yeah. when you're brushing your teeth. Or Well, I don't know if you can say things out loud really when you're brushing your teeth. <laughs> um, but uh, that's, that's something I've tried to personally do as much as possible is tag on my new my wanted habits with my old one. That's a great tip. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, oh yeah, and what did, what did you say about acknowledging your achievements? Just, I think it's I, when, I think it's more than just acknowledging, like. Uh, Celebrating them, yeah. taking the time to appreciate them. Yeah, so Morgan yeah. mentioned like acknowledging your achievements, but I actually think it's really important to reward yourself for those mm-hmm. achievements. So um, if there are certain goals that you want to hit, and um, you actually do attain them, uh, maybe there's something you want to do. Like maybe reward yourself by going out and watching a play or a movie or buying yourself uh, a piece of jewelry. Or it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be small. If it's a small goal, maybe something smaller. But if it's a big goal, make it make it big. But take a vacation. I don't know. Uh, but I, I think there's acknowledging it, and then there's also legitimately just rewarding yourself for those things. And I think that can be quite impactful. Yeah. Definitely, I've always liked rewards that have to do with uh, capabilities since you've now you know, gone up a notch in your healing. Uh, still have to be safe, right? Like I know, Casey, you said that you, I don't know how long it took you to get back into sports, <laughs> but I assume that's one way you reward yourself. But for me, let's, I don't know, let's say I, um, I was having a lot of subluxations because I also have hypermobility syndrome. Uh, but I was doing a lot of really good PT. And so I found that, uh, I had a bit more functionality than usual. So I felt confident that I could play on our local kickball team, uh, in Rochester, New York, kickball's a thing. (laughs) Like it's a big thing. Adults, adult kickball teams. They also drink when they play. I don't, but, uh, (laughs) and, um, I, tend not to like to play because it is it you go from like zero to 60 and your action so fast and there's throwing and kicking and and i've had a number of incidents but when things were going really well last summer uh for my joints for a while it's like you know what i can participate in this game this time um and i saw that as a reward because i had worked my way up where i felt safe enough to do that and i'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie so Playing sports, not really my thing, but it definitely got my heart pumping. I was all excited. Is kickball an official sport? Uh, uh, soccer? I don't even know what kickball I think it's like soccer baseball, right? I realized this happened the other day, actually. I said to uh, my business partner, who's originally from Singapore, I told her that we do kickball, and she said, what's kickball? And I... I forgot that at least in America, you guys are in, in Toronto and Canada, right? Um, it's it's like baseball, but with but kicking, and it's a big rubber ball, like bigger than a bigger than a volleyball, but it's still pretty dense. And I've seen this one guy I know who's very athletic, and he's thrown that ball across an entire field as if it was a baseball. I don't know how. 
he's not normal, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I actually will admit, so this is, this is not a good story with kickball, but, uh, so we played it on Friday and I, I mentioned that I've been having a lot of subluxations lately. It's, it's not been good. And I decided to go in the outfield. So again, just think of it like baseball. It's really a similar setup. And I stood way in the back. I was like, I hope nobody kicks the ball over here because they need a girl out in the back. So I was like, fine, I'll be back. Of course, the first kick of that inning and the ball comes right to me. I don't catch it, but I, I picked it up and I threw it. And immediately my shoulder, you know, not I don't fully dislocate, but it, whatever, it subluxed and it was painful. And I'm very thankful that my husband is on the team because he immediately saw me. I just grabbed my shoulder and motioned to him. So I have a mask on, right? We're in the times of COVID. So I have a mask. No one can see my facial expression. And I just look at him and go, hey, hey, shoulder. <laughs> this has happened to me. And so um, I was able to sit down immediately. But we're talking about mindset here. I had a struggle in that moment because I thought to myself, wow, that's freaking pathetic. I just tried to throw a ball for the first time in a long time and my, my joint just betrayed me. But I like kind of calmed myself as I walked back to the, you know, to my seat and was like, you know what? I'm not in the same situation as all the people here. And it, just because I can't throw a big rubber ball doesn't mean that I'm not capable in my life. This is just my situation and that's fine. And you know what? I'll work harder on my PG this week. So, okay, so I will say that was a bit of a success now that I think through. Well, but I think that's huge. <laughs> a lot of people um, with their limitations and what they're able to do are, I think a big problem is they're looking at what everyone else is doing and uh, it's none of your business, really. Just focus on what it is you're able to do and be happy about new achievements and what everyone else is doing, that's of no consequence to you. And, and what you're up to should be of no consequence to them either. And that's probably your best way to healing to healing and that's basically what you did in that moment is you know everyone's they're in, you're in a different situation that's the reality yeah and look it was a it was a small situation right but I think I'm really glad actually I'm speaking about this right now because I didn't really process that so clearly until saying it out loud to you guys that that was a win because I well well actually it's a win and I would say the biggest win is really right now where I'm reflecting on the fact that I uh, was processing in a certain way, which tells me that I can do that about the bigger things. Like, I really want to go hiking later this summer. I'm not entirely sure that's going to happen. Uh, I talked about it recently with Monica, you know, my co-host on a previous podcast. And uh, even with KT tape, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's in the cards for me. But that's my stuff. And I can love my body and, and do other things that make me happy. And it might not be hiking this year. We will see. So I don't have to, yeah. Get, no point in getting down about it, right? <laughs> if I decide I can't do it or don't want or don't want to take the risk. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Fun stuff. <laughs> I say that all while I'm sitting on my, uh, what do you guys call this? A therapeutic ball? Yeah, an exercise ball. Exercise ball? Yeah, for everyone listening. Uh, we do a video version of this, but I'm uh, bouncing right now. 
Yeah, we should start carrying those and sell them. They actually have a version where it's like a disc. Um, so it's an exercise disc and many people at the gym will use them for different things or even at physiotherapy for balance coordination, but we use them for people to sit on so that when they're sitting, their bodies are moving, their joints are mobile, because obviously movement is life for every part of our body. So stimulating the mechanoreceptors in the joints and like getting ready for their adjustment. And improves posture. Everyone feels good when they have better posture. Yeah, I was I was wondering that if my posture is better from doing this. I don't sit in it all the time, but I mean my back is super straight right now, I'll tell you that. Well I'll tell you what, like in simple terms, what will ruin your posture posture is any restrictions in your in your spine or your pelvis then you're going to develop poor posture kind of like if the wheels on your car are not functioning properly they're going to wear out quicker so it's a good thing to do yeah it's definitely moving a lot although i'm i am always considered myself cheating a bit with posture because i was a ballet dancer and i'm just naturally going to have better posture than most people for the rest of my life <laughs> But uh, as anyone who's listened to me talk before uh, knows, I uh, ballet has done more harm than good to me. So, oh well. I've seen quite a few spots of people have done ballet, and yeah. <laughs> On the outside, they look like they have great yeah. posture. <laughs> yeah, we're all, yeah. all sorts of messed up. Anytime people ask me if I recommend people do ballet or not, I it's it's a very hard battle for me because I think it does end up doing more damage than good, both mentally, emotionally, and physically. Yeah. Uh, but I also love it. It was my everything growing up, and it does teach you a lot of great lessons. Uh, you definitely learn hard work. I was going to say you work to be healthier, but not all dancers do. <laughs> definitely uh, problems there. Anyway, uh, so. We've um, we've spoken a lot about mindset. What do you think are some triggers for needing to shift mindset? That makes sense. Like, uh, when are what are things people should look out for in particular with their pain that might not be as obvious? Where they should try on, let's say, an affirmation or something in that moment? Well, before I answer that, I we come from a place where I think the, I think these tools, I think you should be practicing anyways. Like, like we're applying it to someone who's got fibromyalgia, but I mean, anyone really should be doing it, whether they're in chronic pain or whether they're suffering. Or, and so just for someone who's got fibromyalgia, when things are going really well, keep doing these things. Like, don't stop. Like, so I just want to lay that out first. Um, but as far as when's the time to get started? So I guess my answer really is anytime's a good time to get started. Don't wait for a, don't wait for a symptom or a signal. Like just, if you're hearing this, listening to this podcast right now, try it tonight. Um, I remember seeing a children's book about, it was all about positive affirmations for children who are just learning to read. And so when they're learning to read, they're actually reading positive affirmations that's when everybody should get started. Um, I think that parents should be, you know, teaching their children about this. It's going to yeah. help with emotional intelligence, which yeah. is just as if maybe not more important than actual IQ, emotional intelligence is 
uh, important. And I think affirmations plays a strong role in that. And it's going to help a person develop their self-worth no matter where they're at. So yeah, absolutely. I think that it's for everybody. Like, absolutely. We've seen patients coming into our office with fibromyalgia. We've guided them with some of these mindset changes and they've seen the incredible results it's had. Um, but I wish that, I honestly wish that they were taught this when they're kids. Mm -hmm. but, and, but you know what, I, so it's not so much like when's the time to do it, but who I'd like to reach out to the most is anyone who may be listening. And I doubt if they're listening to this podcast, they don't have any hope because why would they be listening to the podcast? But um, anyone who's just with very little faith or very little hope, and just feel like they've hit rock bottom, the, those are the people that I would just love to reach out to and just tell them, like, just start. And I know it's hard, way um, easier said than done, but just just do it. Like just, just even if you're angry about doing it, just do it and try it and then, and then do it again. And do it again and do it for a month and then just see if things are different. See if things are, are, have changed for you. And if they have, then continue on doing it. And, and then, then, yeah, go There's lots of little tools that can help you get started, whether it be a positive Instagram accounts. There's like a lot of different Instagram accounts, I think, that are all about like positive psychology um, and affirmations and whatnot. Uh, listening to different podcasts. Uh, I actually, so looking at this on my desk, someone sent me a while ago these cards. Uh, there, it literally just says affirmators. So for every day, there's like an affirmation card that I can read and they're actually a little bit silly. Um, but there's all different ways to jumpstart that being a habit. Obviously you can just say them out loud to yourself, but if you want some more accountability and for some inspiration, there's never any shame in that. Um, and something I just want to touch on just in case, because I think maybe Morgan, you mentioned it. Yeah, you mentioned it a little bit, but I really want to drive it home. Positive affirmations aren't just saying something that's ultimately positive, but saying it in a purely positive way. So, I mean, please uh, correct me if I'm wrong or jump in, but uh, if you have the negative word in or the negative associated word within that affirmation, it really doesn't do very well so like you said um i will quit smoking or something about i quit smoking the fact that you said smoking in there isn't helpful it's like what do you being healthy like i am healthy is the positive affirmation so don't say i won't or i don't something no negativity but what is the positive state of being uh that you are affirming rather than so let's work through one eh? yeah what let's work through one let's like let's yeah. like say let's say um like a common one is like people don't want to exercise because they don't have enough time right yeah so what would be a bad way of saying that affirmation to change that behavior hmm. say you want to stop wasting your time though doing things that um yes that's perfect that i'm not productive not yeah, I'm going to stop wasting time is a negative sentence. Yeah, yeah. so I would just, the affirmation would be, um, I'm just making this up on the spot, but um, I use my time wisely on things that I value so that I'm more productive and efficient. So yeah. you're not even mentioning the crap that you're 
playing around with on your phone. Yeah. Because if it is in there, your brain still hears that part of it and it's still there, right? Yeah. So it's totally forget that and just, it's the positive. So I'll tell you what mine are, actually. And I've been saying them for like two, three years now. Uh, it's, I am good, I am strong, I am unstoppable. And they're very high level ways of me acknowledging lightly that there are things negative that I could say were like, maybe I don't feel like a good person because I did X, Y, Z, I don't know. Um, I feel weak right? There's something that's making me feel weak or um, I'm like around business. I usually associate unstoppable with work related stuff. And so sometimes I think, oh, I'm a little lazy or I don't have the motivation to move forward and work hard. But I don't say I'm going to work hard. I don't say I'm going to get stronger. I just say, or I, I'm not going to do these things that are immoral. <laughs> I just say, I am good. I am strong. I am unstoppable. That's what I focus yeah. on. I've I've loved those yeah, affirmations. Uh, They're great. Yeah, those are ones you could just. That was a real short one, so you could just say that anywhere you are. You just muttered that to yourself while you're walking down the street. Exactly. Um, there's elaborate ones too. Like there's like long ones. Yeah. Say that, right? Like more said. Weekly at home in the shower. Say that <laughs> yeah, I think everybody. I happen to be find merit for myself in memorizing short lists of three just in life if there's something I want to remember uh and so it took me a while to come up with those three words I went on a long hike like a three-hour hike to figure that out and I was just this is more of a walk hike whatever <laughs> but um uh I kept saying uh three different terms and seeing what resonated with me because if you're going to dedicate that mental space to providing an a affirmation. I think it also has to just sit well with you. Because if someone else told you to say this affirmation, you're like, eh, it doesn't really resonate with me. So you held up those uh, affirmation cards. Yeah. I personally think those are good if you're having a really hard time writing your own affirmation. But the best case scenario is doing what you did and coming up with your own personal affirmation i think those are good though um if you're starting out and you you know you need some help um but yeah that's you know, definitely writing it personal to you so as we've discussed the healing journey is it, it i mean it's a comprehensive journey you have to address things mentally physically emotionally and there's so much overlap so if you had to package everything that you've learned and experienced um in, including all of those different attributes of care do you have a a message of a mindset that you would encourage people to feel or, or encourage people to visit when starting their journey yeah so this is specifically for people with fibromyalgia um, because and, and there are people with varying levels of the condition but um, let's just say worst case scenario um, the first thing is just have hope and faith uh, in your body's natural ability to heal and if you don't have that then find someone who will have that for you 
until you get it. So, and I'm saying that because I have a lot of patients that walk into my office. We have a lot of patients that come into our office in that situation. I can tell right away, they don't even want to be there. Someone forced them in there and I'll flat out ask them like, do you have any hope or whatsoever or faith? And they'll say, no, not at all. And so I said, okay, in the meantime, we'll have that for you. Okay. Until you, we get you to the point where you can now take it on. Uh, and then once you get there, that should be enough to show you that there's definitely, um, you're moving in the right direction and think, things can get really well for you. So in the beginning, have that hope and faith, but if not, find someone who will, who will have it for you. Thank you. That yeah, is, that's it. Yeah, that's really great. And actually, I'd, I'd like to commend you for something you mentioned at the, the beginning of the recording, uh, the fact that when you were healing, you still made the effort to be with your patients, uh, even if just in the waiting room. Uh, I commend you because that, I clearly you know that that was important. I, I think that that, maybe you don't know to what extent that was important. As, some, as a patient, I know that if I'm suffering, if I'm not, uh, if I'm feeling hopeless in particular, and my practitioner who is injured and in pain themselves is like, I'm here for you. And I have hope for you, even though look at me, I'm in pain also. I mean, that's just tremendous. So thank you for doing that. It's a small an act that um, I imagine had much more of an impact that you can believe on your patients' relationship. But I assure you, I assure you, as much of a, an impact it was on my patients, it was just as much for me too. Aww. Yeah. Trust me, it was probably a two-way street for that. Yeah. Well, as I always like to say, relationships are a two-way street. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's, I, 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 that's definitely true in all relationships. I actually think that's true in relationship with your body. You can say it's a two-way street, too. Uh, well, thank you guys so much. This was a really brilliant dive into the mindset around fibromyalgia, chronic pain, and what I love is that it was uh, focused on positivity and how to take a very often deeply negative experience and uh, give light to the possibilities around it. So, uh, and, and obviously thank you for writing your book too, which goes much more in depth into all the, uh, the physical, treatment modalities as well of course but i'm glad that we touched on this today personally <laughs> yeah thanks for yeah. having us thanks guys the human care podcast is part of the invisible not broken podcast network a network that includes several chronic illness disability and health related podcasts including explicitly sick hosted by Monica Michelle, Discomfort Zone, hosted by Jason Herderick, and of course, the original Invisible Not Broken podcast. We absolutely love feedback. Love, 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 love feedback. And connecting with you one-on-one -on -one or within our Invisible Not Broken podcast community. So please reach out to us anytime. We're open to topics, critique, you name it. 
This is a podcast created by us for you. You can find information about all of our network podcasts, community, and how to contact us all on invisiblenotbroken.com. You can also find us on social media platforms through the handle Invisible Not Broken and Human Care underscore podcast. That's it, everyone. Thanks for listening and being a part of our mission to transform healthcare into human care.